0: Rise up young man, rise up young lady, you are not alone, no matter what you're going through, it is going to pass, you're gonna come on the other side, you keep shining. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of You Are Not Alone podcast by Mamba Inspire Brand. Like the title suggests, the purpose of this podcast is to help people out there who are going through unimaginable struggles know that they are not alone, and believe that they will come out on the other side. Ladies and gentlemen, we have a very special guest with us today. Michelle, thank you so much for giving us your time. Yep. I know it's a Thursday night, right, and exams, is around exam time, right, yeah. but you gave us your time. I am it's so happy 8 o'clock p.m. <laughs> at the moment, and people are struggling, but... You gave us your time. Thank you so much That's for doing no that. No problem at all. Let's start by you introducing yourself a little bit.
1: Okay, so um, my name is Michelle per uh, Correct pronunciation actually is Adebisi, mm-hmm. but, you know, people can't really say that. So my name is Michelle Adebisi. Um I'm a third-year civil engineering major at the University of Texas, mm-hmm. um, and I'm here because Mamadou... What really wanted me on his show, and I'm so happy to be here. I'm really excited for the conversations we're about to have. I have no idea what's about to happen, so
0: <laughs> I'm excited. Nobody does. Nobody <laughs> does. But I knew there was something in you, and people deserve to hear it. Wow. People so deserve cool. to hear your story.
1: Thank you so much. All
0: right. So where did you grow up? How was growing up for you?
1: Um. So I moved around a lot growing up. I was born in Houston, mm-hmm. um, and then I moved... or my mom was in Houston when she had me because she was doing her master's. Mm -hmm. Um, But we started off in Houston. She did her master's at OU, Mm -hmm. which is ironic because I go to UT, and UT and OU are like rival schools. (laughs) And then after uh, that, we moved to Washington. Mm -hmm. And around that time, I was maybe like two years old. So then we moved back to Nigeria. Mm -hmm. So growing up, I've had to like adjust and move around a lot, adapt. Um, We grew up... uh, we grew up on like we didn't grow up i guess financially stable per se but well, my mom f- would find ways to like you know make up for that like free classes or like free ballet stuff free basketball uh she when she was when we were in the US she would find like different she,
0: she was a of, hustler. <laughs>
1: she was a hustler. I mean doing her masters with two kids maintain a high GPA. I look up to my mom a lot. Um so Yeah, growing up was, yeah, it was fun. (laughs)
0: Yeah. I know Nigeria is a family atmosphere. You had a lot of people around you helping out. Did you feel like you grew up in a village atmosphere, like where there's so many relatives around, or it was still, like, unrealistic?
1: It was, uh, so my mom was a city girl. Mm -hmm. Uh, She was from Lagos. Um, So I grew up mainly in, like, I guess, like, Lagos area, like, the city area. Mm -hmm. Uh, Here and there, we would go to, like, uh, Wari, and we'll stay there. That's, like, a a different city in Nigeria.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Um, And, yeah, we would move around even in Nigeria. Wow. So, um, but I definitely, we didn't have, I guess, like, at the earlier stages of my life, I had more relatives around me, but then as I grew older, Mm -hmm. it was just, like, my family... Maybe my grandma, aunts, and stuff, but not like a huge extended family.
0: Definitely. So, as you mentioned, your mother had the opportunity to come to the US, mm-hmm. right, to do her master's. And uh, for many people, that's like a dream to come to the US and be able to take advantage of those resources, mm-hmm. right? But she came uh, to, and uh, she were trying to pursue a higher education, but yeah. she wasn't able to, and she had to return back. Mm-hmm. Did she ever tell you that story? How hard was it for her to have to go back? And uh, I know she had a job with Chevron when she got back to Nigeria, but mm-hmm. was that like a some a plan B for her? And how how hard was it for her to leave plan A?
1: So um, when she first moved, when or when she got the opportunity to go to do her master's in the U.S., she, um, I think she planned on staying there,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, but, so she, she was able to finish her master's, but after that, like, she told me that she didn't really get, or like, I guess for the difficulties that she would've told me about, uh, when she first moved, you know, it's, it was me, her and my sister, mm-hmm. um, my, my, I was like a baby. And my <laughs> sister was like maybe three or four, so she was annoying. So my mom had to deal with that, getting an apartment, studying, taking care of us, going to class. Uh, she had a lot of professors that were understanding and very impressed with her juggling all those things and still managing to, you know, face academics and succeed. But it definitely—I don't know how she did it. <laughs> I mean, she she, yeah, very impressive.
0: Wow, she found a way to get back. Do you stand up? Right? Yes. You got you. You came back. Uh, what age did you leave Nigeria and came back?
1: So I left when I was 12.
0: Okay. So you guys came back uh, when you were 12. Mm -hmm. And uh, you're still young, right? Still uh, growing up, Mm -hmm. trying to find who you are, what's your identity. You are still being influenced by the culture around you, right? And your mom, being a hustler, trying to really instill that drive and uh, the education she wanted you kids to have, how hard was it for her to still give you those... uh, cultural values from Nigeria but you going to school and learning the American culture how hard for for -hmm. you also has it been to balance those two cultures
1: yeah that's a very very good question so um, it was I don't know I think um, growing up even especially because I was born in the U.S. she she made sure during those early stages to kind of you know set the tone for how we should be or you know, culturally, respectfully, even like in when we were when I was born here, she would make sure. And like if I were to greet her, sometimes she'd be like, hey, you got to got to do the right greeting pose, because when mm-hmm. you go back to Nigeria, you that's know what you do. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, you know, she did that. Um, and then I guess you asked another question about um, going to school, how I maintain my own. Um <clears throat> It was hard at first. I definitely got reprimanded a lot for like, you know, oh, you came here and that's all you're learning type things from my mom. Mm -hmm. And I was like, uh, you know, I'm very big on trying to like blend in. I didn't want to stand out. So I I worked on my accent and all that stuff. I made sure (laughs) like, you know, um, it was it was weird because there was someone in my school that I went to who had been from nigeria that left right when i started school there Mm -hmm. and they were asking me all these questions based off their experience with her and i was just so upset because i was just like why like (laughs) i just want to be my own person so i strive to like make my own like i guess like i don't know stand out Mm -hmm. but not too much (laughs) for sure yeah
0: for sure so at the age of 12 same age, I also came to the U.S., but at the age of 12, you came from Nigeria, yeah, right? And I'm sure you stood out coming from Africa, right? Yeah. And how hard was it for you to adapt to that new environment and what kind of, how to call it, uh, challenges was being thrown at you, especially for those kids yeah. who wanted to really test you and see... Oh. <laughs>
1: you know, I think the way you're asking this question is like, yeah. you already know. like Yeah,
0: any stories? <laughs> yeah, there was
1: a lot. I remember, well, firstly, they already had the assumption that I was younger mm-hmm. than most. And I was like, okay, I'm not going to answer these questions directly because that's annoying. Other things that happened was like, they'd ask me, oh, do y'all have Wi-Fi in Nigeria? You know, they're just these young boys just trying to be funny. And I'm just not. Mm-hmm. It was just so annoying. But um, they would be like, oh, did you have to ride a camel to school? Or, like, they would ask me, uh, do y'all worship goats or something? I just, like, I had friends, but, you know, there were obviously those annoying, like, 14-year-old boys trying to, I guess, gain clout or something. Mm-hmm. But they always wanted to play around with, like, where I'm from, who I am, as much as I didn't put that out there too much. Mm-hmm. So, and I, I guess, like, a good context would be, so where I went to school, because my mom was able to, um, was, was we were in Houston, or Louisiana, actually, at that time when I first moved. We were in Louisiana uh, because my mom got moved by her job in Nigeria. Mm-hmm. So they were able to pay for most of our school. Mm-hmm. So I went to a private Christian school in Louisiana filled with all these, like, I mean, it was a great school, but it was just very culturally, um I guess I would say lacking it was mainly uh predominantly white people in mm-hmm. my school so they were very like ignorant and they didn't really especially cuz they were young I would say mainly because they were young they just didn't have they a lot didn't of know. experience they yeah, didn't know
0: people How did you how did you take that Do you did you like take some opportunity to teach them or are you like I just need to get away
1: <laughs> I did actually try to teach them I was very especially when I think about it now, I was very patient with them because mm-hmm. the people I remember I would call my friends were, you know, people that would, like, you know, joke around about things that I wouldn't necessarily find funny. But because, you know, I think also coming from Nigeria, I didn't really understand how rude, like, it could be because I, you know, I came from Nigeria, a place where there were, racism is more like tribalism. Oh, good, yeah. So when I came here and I was being, you know, all the, um I guess the word is... What's that word with the aggressions?
0: Um, imposter syndrome, intimidation.
1: Yeah. Wait, no, actually it's um, microaggressions. microaggressions. All those micro- I didn't understand those. So I kind of, I took them without knowing I was taking them. Yeah. So my response to the people I called my friends were just, you know, trying to explain like, hey, this is not, I don't like this. Um, don't ask me these kind of questions. Um, we don't worship cows in Nigeria. Like, <laughs> come on. Like, Definitely, I have
0: Wi-Fi. <laughs> Definitely, so so one thing, one thing. Uh, the African you known that in the African culture is that we are taught confidence, mm-hmm. right? We are taught how to call it um uh, the ability to be able to to believe in who you are, to love your identity, to love your culture, right? That's something when you see an African, you know that person is African because he's he really deeply believe in his culture he loves his culture you can't see through how he acted and all of that mm-hmm. but you starting school in a in our school did you have any difficulty uh trying to figure out what's your identity did you feel like uh there was something lacking did you go back home and ask your mom about specific questions about like what is this what does this mean mm-hmm. like
1: um i definitely I would say I I stood as strong as I could. Sometimes I wouldn't just not to call too much attention Mm -hmm. because I didn't I really didn't like the stress. So I wouldn't do too much. Uh, sometimes when there was something exciting about my culture online I'd be like, "Hey, look. Like I remember once uh we were playing the World Cup and I was like telling my friends, "Come watch with me, come watch." With me. <laughs> we lost. It was against France. Actually. That was
0: 2010, right? Yeah, In Nigeria. It was so sad. <laughs> I remember that was uh that was Nigeria versus Uruguay.
1: Yeah, we like we we didn't do too well.
0: Yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> I was so excited, you know, I, I'd do that those type of things, but when it came to like uh you know, uh, maybe, like, putting my foot down. I wasn't too, like, I didn't push too hard because I just, I don't know. I, w- I had been warned that it might be a waste of effort. Just I should just know for myself who mm-hmm. I am. I don't necessarily have to prove to other people that who I am is okay and normal. And my culture is, like, valid and things of that sort. So
0: Definitely. Like, That's one thing I really learned uh, here at UT is that you do not need to prove who you are to anybody. Mm-hmm. Of course there are all these things, all these challenges that are trying to to make you change who you are but one thing that I will always advise many of my friends is that walk these halls like you deserve to be here and be remain true to yourself and do not feel like you have to be somebody else to fit in. Yeah. So you decided to follow your mom's step and become an engineer. <laughs> yeah. And you went to her rival school. How did she take that?
1: She didn't even know. <laughs> she didn't even know. I was like, Mom, do you know UT and OU? I was giving her the history straight from Wikipedia, and she was uh-huh. like, oh, really? I didn't, like, she just, she didn't even she know. She didn't know. You know, we go to school, it's like <laughs> school, 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 school. We don't, <laughs> like, we don't care. Your books. That's crazy. <laughs> you, you
0: came to the University of Texas at Austin, and I'm sure uh, you always... Uh, you always worked hard and you were always among the best in your school but you came to the University of Texas at Austin and you find that everybody was amazing yeah how hard was that for you to like to to adapt to the fact that it's, it's not about how smart you are anymore it's about how hard you work
1: I would say in response to that um so definitely when I went to school in Louisiana uh, I started off like shaky, especially because of like I guess the culture difference. Mm-hmm. So that was ninth grade, my freshman year in high school. Tenth grade, somehow things changed. My mom was able to whip me back into shape. Mm-hmm. I, you know, that year I was really healthy. I worked out a lot. I did well in school and things of that sort. Um, and then I moved to Houston, my uh, senior or my junior year of high school, and it was hard. School was. I went to a really hard school. I don't know what changed, but I already had to go through that like. Mindset where I was okay and I was doing great, to wow, like this is actually, I actually have to put in some effort here. Mm -hmm. So when I came to UT, uh, I I had already been given like the rundown that everyone's smart. I've always thought that actually I'm not even all that. I've kind of kept that in (laughs) mind. I I try not, like, I don't know. I I do, I don't think it's the best, but I just, I kind of already, I didn't have too much of a shock when it came to there being other people smarter than me at UT or not being able to, you know, perform as well as I thought I would. Mm -hmm. Um, I will say, though, on my first calculus exam, uh, I think I got like a Mm 70-something. And it was the first time I actually had to call my mom and cry to her about my grades and not being the other way about her, you know, coming to me and being like, hey, what's what is this grade? Like, I was so... I start, I felt more responsibility, a little bit more responsibility for um, how I did in school when I came to UT. Um, so, yeah. That's the
0: funniest <laughs> thing, because the calculus, my first calculus grade, which was my first class, was where I was almost crying. Well, if you ask my sister, she'll say I was crying, but I, <laughs> I'll say I was almost crying yeah. to my uh, uncle. Trying, trying to make sure that he punished me, you know, by cursing me out. But mm-hmm. for some reason, for the first time, he understood, as an African dad, he didn't ask me for what happened to all the other points that I've been missing. He just yeah. agreed and and supported me. i like, it's just the first one, keep going. Mm-hmm. So with that mentality, you're in a classroom. Mm-hmm. Engineering school at the University of Texas at Austin is one of the best in the nation, mm-hmm. right? You come in as a freshman with so many people. But you find out that you are one of the only ones. I know you had that experience in your high school, right? Mm-hmm. You are a woman and you are African-American. Mm-hmm. How hard has it been for you to feel okay to raise your hand and ask questions? Freshman year, like, how hard was it to adapt to do that and be able, like, to just do that whenever you want to?
1: Um, I think, so... I don't like because okay, when I, I've answered this question before without the intention of being or sounding like, oh, I don't have problems or anything. Mm-hmm. But I did I, I guess, like maybe the first few weeks, I was sh- scared of that, but my calculus professor gave me or we he gave us the room. He gave us, I don't know, a feeling of peace. His name was is Yuri triesman um, for those listening, please look him up. He's a great professor, mm-hmm. amazing individual. So I, he gave he gave all of us the kind of room to express ourselves and be confident. He made up this – I don't even know if this was like a part of his ways of uh, <clears throat> making us comfortable, but he made up a position called um, class assistant or something, mm-hmm. and I ran for that, mm-hmm. and I won somehow. <laughs> um, and, you know, that gave me the confidence I needed. I guess in other classes I would say that um, – they were huge i had a chemistry class it was like 300 people and i just knew it was a waste of time to even try to put my hand up like i just (laughs) felt like i just didn't want to take out of her time teaching i felt like other people would be upset and Mm. then um it definitely um i would say with regards to like race being like the like one of the few black people in class um i don't i don't um I didn't try. I didn't want to focus too much on that. I want. I really wanted to, and especially because I had already went to a lot of white. Uh, in my high schools, they were already like predominantly white people. I kind of was used to feeling that way. Mm-hmm. So I I kind of found whoever wanted to talk to me, I would talk to. Whoever wasn't, you know, giving me an attitude, I wouldn't. I would give them the time of day. Mm-hmm. So, I kind of had my mind narrowed in that. I wouldn't let that. You're already used to it. Yeah, yeah. So,
0: have you ever felt scary going to office hours? Is there mm-hmm. any professor that made you uncomfortable trying to yes. ask for help? Yes. 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 Story.
1: Oh, yeah. Story time. Um, I won't say the professor's name, but um, this was like sophomore year, fall semester, which was actually weird enough, one of my best semesters. Um, but I was taking this class, probability and statistics. And, um, you know, I would go to class all the time, take notes, and none of the notes were making sense. So I went to his office hours, and I tried to explain to him, you know, I tried to ask him questions about the homework, you know, and he just kind of, you know, most times he would be um, in and out listening to me. Like, he would be, he'd start listening to me, and then he'd just start doing something on a piece of paper as I'm explaining what I don't understand, and he, you know, after being distracted looks up and he's like, Oh, well this is this is that problem. Let me look at the problem. And then he just kind of says, Oh, you just do that, that, and that. And I'm just like, Well, you didn't even hear what I didn't know <laughs> and you're telling me what I already know. I I'm asking why do we like, you know, I'm asking for specific steps.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Or sometimes I would come in and he'd be like, Oh, I have a conference I have to attend to. I can't do I can't do it right now, even like during his office hours. Mm. And it was just weird. So but my solution to that, I went to the TA instead. I don't even know what made me do that instead. Like I, I don't know why I didn't just give up. But like after class the TA was there and he looked nice. So I I was I asked him questions and I asked him when his office hours were because I was not about to fail the test because I was starting to get stressed because I, I I would do my best in the class and I still wouldn't understand. And no one in my class was really willing to sit with me and do homework because you know, I guess they have other things to do or they already <laughs> understand or something. So I was I was like, okay. So um that TA really saved me in that yeah. class. He was great.
0: I was going to ask that like how how hard cuz that's I talked to so many people and they told me about those stories when for example in class. I remember one time a professor like put a cushion on on the table like uh on the bar and was like okay, talk to somebody and work on this. Uh that was one of my, one of my classes my freshman year. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm not sure if these people knew each other, but we, they were like people. I, I'm always on the front row, right? The person on my right looked to his right to work on the person next to him, right? right away. And the person on the left looked to the left, and I was in the middle. And at that point, it's like, I don't just want to get up, right, and go. Yeah. Right? I, I wonder, is it, do they know each other beforehand? Or <laughs> I don't think they do. How hard has it been for you to make study group? And I know engineering, one of the big component engineering is projects, right? Mm-hmm. And that requires group. How yeah. what What's that experience have been like for you?
1: So for me, um, I definitely have something to say with response <laughs> to your experience because that is just too common. <laughs> but um, uh, I had a, I was in Ramshorn, mm-hmm. so I had like a fig and we I just kind of like, I don't like to, put in too much effort with people if they're not into it i can kind of sense it from the beginning and i don't like you know ask i I
0: don't like to you learn from being a
1: African. yeah you just can't i just can't be wasting your energy on things that aren't important so um i was like okay let's study and i made a pretty good friend group or i guess like study group because we were in a lot of the same ge which is like um kind of supplemental courses that are there to support you in your first year or, or i guess like when you're taking um Certain engineering classes, just to give you a little bit more support. Mm -hmm. Um, And we had a lot of the same GEs, so I would just kind of study with them. They were really nice, respectful. They were also... Some of them were minorities as well, and there was other, like, you know, white people who were in my groups, and they were also normal, decent people. Mm -hmm. So I think that really gave me a a leg up because I I had already... People, you know. Structure. Yeah, structure to give me a study group. So, but... um, with regards to that thing you said, I think some people are just kind of, I don't even, some, I try to understand why they do what they do mm-hmm. in those types of situations. I think it's, it might be intimidation. I don't know, but sometimes, you, like, I do notice that when it, times, when it comes time to group work, I'm always, even if I'm in the middle, I'm at the center. Or, at, sorry, even if, if I'm at the center, I'm, I'm at the edge. Like, they, they don't, like, converse directly with me. Mm-hmm. Or like if I ask a question, I have to be sure that I even said it out loud sometimes. Because mm-hmm. they don't respond. So yeah. I'm just like
0: <sighs> It's like they ignore. See yeah. me, I thought it's because of my accent. Earlier I thought it was because of my accent, people didn't understand me. Wow. But then I started to talk to so many people, they say, Yeah, I don't get any response until I make a, <laughs> a business yeah. out of getting a response. It's so So I have a, this is a question, but before that I'll tell you a story. So about Actually, this been in my head for a long time. So in one of my classes, uh, right now, we are working on, on uh, it's control, it's called control system, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, oh, you've heard of it. for many people who uh, hopefully, many people may not understand this, but it's mm-hmm. about like, for example, controlling a system within the plant, right? Okay. And- uh, Like oil and gas? Huh? Like oil and gas. Oil and gas. Ah. And this system, for example, this system of control has mm-hmm. two control valves, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, the set point where you're gonna set one control valve depends on the output of the first control valve, okay. right? So the professor that is teaching this course is the one who one of the people who wrote the book, mm-hmm. in addition to MIT professors mm-hmm. and and all of that. So isn't amazing? Yeah. In, he knows his stuff. right? But uh, for those two things, right? he decided to call the first control valve the master control valve. Mm. And the second control valve that depend on the master control valve, the slave control valve. Mm. I didn't know anything about it until in class when he was explaining it. And then he made the joke, uh, this is just for people who still want to use these terms right like a joke but in my mind it's like as someone who wrote the book do you feel like these terms still need to be used even for people who want to use these terms like can you find other terms and make people use these terms because you are the one who wrote the book or it's like do you feel like you you three people who wrote the book felt like you have to how to call it, write yeah. a book for people who want to use these terms. No, so it didn't insane. make sense to me. Did you ever had uh, a class that where something uncomfortable said during class and you didn't speak or you thought about something, any stories like that?
1: Mm. <clears throat> I wouldn't say, um, I think I've had a good uh, experience so far, but mm-hmm. I've definitely heard of... Um, Professors, uh, so uh, I guess, I think the class was uh, differential equations or something. One of the calculus classes. Mm -hmm. And the professors, his uh, graphs would be like KKK. And his, um, you know, it would just have these weird, like, sign signals or tones of racism in math. Like, you know, it's like, it's it's, it's so weird.
0: It's just funny because... Of course, maybe during that time, people were able to refer to those things as that, right? Yeah. But now, since you don't like to believe in these things, you don't like to refer to these things, mm-hmm. you have the opportunity to change that. But still leaving that in your book for people who want to use that to use it, I mean, you must have been <laughs> thinking about it. Right? It yeah. just doesn't make sense no, to me. No, it
1: doesn't. I think, they're, I think they do that because, you know, I feel especially for the older people in our society today things racism is not old at all like it's still pretty or like i guess the periods of um periods when those things were normal mm-hmm. is not far away yeah so it's kind i feel like for them they they are so shocked that we are where we are like today with you know just not segregation i think they still live in the past and they they've feel like it would be a good form of release mm-hmm. to hint at it subtly because they can't be judged but they're still it's like a microaggression like they can't be called out for it necessarily because it's not like direct but they can still do it and it gives them that pleasure I mean I don't know it's just I I would never understand it
0: <laughs> wow so today you are 18 years old yes <laughs> and a junior at the University of Texas at Austin studying mm-hmm. Civil engineering. engineering. When you started college, you were 15-year-old. I'm guessing.
1: I was 15. Yeah. Wait. My birthday's in July. (laughs) I don't remember. I think I was... July.
0: So right before. Yeah, you were 15. Yeah. Uh, So, (laughs) you came in that time, right? And according to all all the things you just talked about, being that age, right? Mm -hmm. But being able to overcome all these major, I would believe, obstacles that many students uh, get, how to call it, annihilated by Mm -hmm. every single day. I'm sure there were days from that 70 that you had in your calculus class to many other challenges. There were days that you went home and you just cried and Mm -hmm. you just all those that. As a 15-year-old, how what motivated you to rise every day and keep going?
1: Um, you know, I think I have to think about that one because somehow I kept going. It's now that I'm kind of wondering those questions <laughs> like, what am I doing? I need better motivation. I think my motivation back then was um,
0: Did you see yourself as everybody there? Like, you felt like you just in I the had group. To. Yeah, I had to, you didn't even think that oh, not be an excuse for all me. these people are older than me.
1: Yeah, because I think from the beginning, actually, ever since I moved to the US, especially, I could not, I never allowed myself to use my age to be the reason why I couldn't do something, <laughs> like wow. I just if someone if I did bad on an exam, like I I would. mad at the people who knew how old I was that were saying well you're still smart because I'd be like no that doesn't
0: that doesn't mean anything A's is just a number
1: yeah so there was that and then there was um I guess my sister as well. I really look up to her she she started college when she was 14 so Mm -hmm. I like couldn't or she was yeah she was 14 Mm -hmm. so I couldn't even like if like she could do it I'm not as smart as she is but like I know I can do, like, I, I should be able to figure it you out. You don't
0: have no excuses. Yeah, so. Wow. What is she doing now?
1: Uh, she's currently working in Nigeria. Um, yeah, she graduated when she was 19.
0: Wow, what did she do?
1: Uh, mechanical engineering. Dang.
0: What yeah. company is she working for?
1: Uh, she's working, so right now, she's working for, like, a construction company. Okay. In Nigeria, because she wants to do her master's next year. Wow. So she's still going to go back to school next year. So right now she's doing like a I don't know like what the name of the company is but it's in Nigeria
0: and it's like it's nice. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> I'm still impressed by the age. You you came you came to college. Yeah. I mean, I've heard this in movies before. I came to college when I was 17 like and just that first night, I came back home, opened my fridge and didn't find anything. Mm. <laughs> started, uh, life really started hitting me. I mean, I left my family when I was 12. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when I got here, my uncle took me in and he, he provided for me. So I didn't have any issues until I went to college at 17 where I had to provide for myself. Mm-hmm. So imagine you, 15, starting college. So now I'm assuming there are at least a couple of people <laughs> doing that. If there are people right now who are that age and is about to come to to college, right, a younger younger person, someone, a little you, mm-hmm. right now, what advice would you tell them?
1: Mm, I think I would say um, worry worry about yourself, because I definitely I would I I think I tr- definitely tr- because I had to assume the age of the people around me I, ha- I wanted to do things or like be involved in things that weren't i couldn't do yet like not even just like going out or anything i mean like like just certain mindset like because i don't know age is one thing right mm-hmm. but you don't like you have been here for a shorter amount of time than other people mm-hmm. have so understanding people who are older and like what they're going through sometimes was difficult for me understanding what i like me relative to the other people around me was hard because i couldn't really find someone to relate to i would go on like reddit or something and like look up forums and be like what what do other people do in situations like this like how do you like i just (laughs) i didn't really know what i was doing Wow. but i think yeah my advice would be learn about yourself first don't don't look at what other people are doing Um, that's just, yeah.
0: But you were willing to stumble and figure it out.
1: Yeah, I had, (laughs) I made a lot of, I mean, I don't even have specific examples. I just remember my freshman year, you know, friendships and like, um, you know, just other, a lot of other things just, they were weird. And I always tried to ignore the fact that it might be because I was younger Mm -hmm. and I didn't understand things as well. But I, I just didn't look at it. I, I I needed to like look at myself and know myself before I tried to analyze a situation or analyze what's right or what's wrong. Like, I guess I'm not being clear with that. No, but that, it's just like
0: that makes sense. Yeah, <laughs> that makes sense. That makes sense. One of my uh, first professor, amazing. Mm-hmm. professor jesse miller i showed him our last episode too hey. <laughs> and uh, one thing he told us he taught us was that struggle was the best way to learn i remember one time he gave us this amazing problem right and he gave us time to work on it we work we work we work we work we ask him questions then he answered the questions to the best of his ability it was an amazing problem mm-hmm. after 20 minutes we decided to ask him we decided to give up and ask him what was the answer. He told us there's no answer. <laughs> <laughs> then he said, I just wanted you to see how far you're willing to struggle through this. And I'm kind of glad you guys did for 20 minutes. Some people give up after five. Right? Struggle is the best way to learn. And when you learn through struggle, it's something that you never forget. Mm-hmm. Right? Well, Thank you so much, Michelle, for giving us your time. It was an amazing interview.
1: I wish it could be longer. That's fine.
0: <laughs> your story is pretty amazing. <laughs> Thank you. And uh, it's an inspiration to see you still standing.
1: Thank you so much. That means a lot.
0: So there you have it, people. Thank you so much for tuning into the Mamba Inspire You Are Not Alone podcast. We have another great story next episode. Make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel, Twitter and Instagram for updates. Look up Mamba Inspire.